A lot of people are getting into the subscriptions business now. It seems like more people move towards a, a tighter paywall as they go on. So let's talk about the, the, each of the phases. Discovery. Um, so how do you end up determining like what content absolutely you have to pay in order to access it? What levers then do you pull to try to head off the churn? What role do you see the platforms playing in your subscription strategy? Welcome to our fourth bonus episode of the Digiday Podcast. I'm Brian Marcy. In this five-episode series, we are going into the weeds of making publishing products that make money. Today, we are going to look into what goes into building a successful subscription business. The pivot to paid is on everyone's lips these days. I sat down with Carl Wells, the general manager of the Wall Street Journal's subscription and membership business. We discuss what goes into a successful subscriptions product and all of the small details you need to get right. Hope you enjoy it. Carl, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Brian. It's great to be here. Um, this is an issue near and dear to my heart because we have the Digiday Plus um, membership program, which everyone should uh, definitely join. Uh, go to digiday.com backslash plus, I believe. Um, how did you get into your role? Because um, obviously the Wall Street Journal has had uh, subscriptions for quite a long time. Um, and now with everyone going into subscriptions, um, you know, people come at it from different, from different areas. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the Wall Street Journal's had a paywall since '97. Um, I I was still at school um, in '97, yeah. um, but you yeah, didn't start it. I didn't start it. No, <laughs> I can't. I can't take the credit for it. Um, but I I started. Um, I'm actually originally from from the UK, so across the Atlantic to get to the Journal. Um, but was at our sister publication. So I was at the Times of London um, and then the Sun Sun newspaper. I've always been a marketeer, um, and now marketing and sales is my is my thing. Okay, so explain the makeup of the Wall Street Journal's um, subscriptions group. I is it a group? Because it's it's different from circulation, and I'm sure um, every single every single company has a different setup, um, and it really depends on a lot of things. But particularly, you know, where they come from. When when you come from a newspaper, you're gonna have you're you're gonna have a different setup because you have a circulation department. But explain how it's set up at the Journal. Yeah, I think it's a, the structure really matters. is is probably my first, probably the first point. Um, and for us, we uh, we we structured around the customer. Um, so broadly speaking, we kind of said there's there's three different types of customer that we want to grow membership for. Mm -hmm. um, there's our student membership business. Um, so there's a GM running the student membership business, a core, our core membership business, which is what what I run, and then also then our professional. Um, business, um, which is our Wall Street Journal Pro um, and C-suite vertical. So, if you think about like almost the price of subscription or or, or ARPU as you kind of go up mm -hmm. the chain, the the top of the the, the, the pyramid is our highest ARPU customers, um, and then students is our kind of entry entry method into the journal. Okay, and so you're running the core, the people taking out mm -hmm. their credit card or their company's credit card um, and paying. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how much of the business is corporate credit cards? Because I can always remember the knock on um, subscriptions before everyone made this pivot to paid was, well, the Wall Street Journal is the outlier because it's other people's money. And it's like business class airfare. A lot of people are willing to, to pay extra for that. 
Yeah, I think it's a, it's, it's a great question. We um, uh, that may be where we were, um, but we've I think as we've grown, um, we've we've certainly grown into um, a. I guess a more B to C rather than B yeah. to C for P, um, and that's really the, been the growth in the core, the core membership business is um, is, is I guess broadening broadening our reach, broadening our appeal to to to, to, to different audiences. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, the the corporate credit card obviously still plays a role, yeah. um, and retention rates you know are always good with corporate credit cards. But you know, f- although we have a problem because so many people change jobs in the media and marketing industry so quickly that. You know, they take with them their their corporate card. Uh, so I don't know if you have any ideas on that one. <laughs> yeah, um, we, uh, yeah, I, I would um, I, maybe uh, maybe think about encouraging them to sign up without without their work email, their personal email. And yeah, you've got a way to exactly follow them. Um, okay, so explain the setup of 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 your group. In particular, yeah. So the the core membership team. Um, again, there's 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 probably like no right or wrong answer. Um, but our mm-hmm. starting point was um, the customer. Bro- broadly speaking, we we think about the subscriptions um, customer journey um, as a bow tie. So um, you've got the discover phase, you've got the convert phase, and you've got um, engage to retain. And there's basically within my team, there's seven different functions within the team, and each function basically take part. Of that subscription lifecycle, um, so at each point of the subscription lifecycle, there is a team of people worrying about what they need to do to move the the subscriber or the member in our case down either down the funnel to become a member or to engage to retain them um, as they become as they become members. Mm-hmm. And this involves the customer journey and stuff like that. I'm I'm now well aware of this because of our own membership program. Um, our team is always talking about customer journeys. Yeah, I mean, I've heard of funnels, I've heard bow ties, there's there's <laughs> lots of, or, or just general journeys, um, lots of ways to think about it. But I think if you start with a customer, then, then you you know, that's probably a good place to start um, because you are, um, you're following their, their journey, their journey with you. Yeah. So let's talk about the, the each of the phases, discovery. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the, the journal is, is mostly all Paid, but you can get some content. You have to give people some kind of content that to to discover before they convert. Usually, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we sample content, for right? Sure. Um, so, how do you end up determining like what content? Because I know like sometimes it's it's unclear what is going to be, and it seems to be moving. Like it's it's more dynamic. Like as far as you know, what ends up being um, absolutely you have to pay in order to access it. Yeah, I mean, this has been a, 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 a long journey for us to kind of get to this, where, where we are now. Um, maybe if I describe where we were, mm-hmm. and then it will give sure. good context to where we are now. So um, when we started off, we were, um, I guess, a freemium paywall, um, where the, the content types that were paywalled were determined by human beings, um, predominantly the newsroom. Um, so some content was paid, some was free. Um, and when we and we actually worked really really closely with both the um with both the newsroom and our technology teams so wait the newsroom to determined this was yeah before we kind of moved to what we yeah. are now our dynamic wouldn't payor. the newsroom end up being because they're journalists wouldn't they end up just saying oh wow like this theranos story is gigantic we can't put this behind the paywall 
no, I think that listen, the the gut instinct of a of of journalists, as you will know, is generally pretty good. Um, they want to get paid for their work, and uh, you know that 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 model. But they want to have impact. And they want to have broad reach. Yeah, yeah, but but you know, but that that model was a, a model that we had in place for what fifteen years, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it, it worked. Okay. Um, then why change? Well, because we thought if we're going to get to three million, then um, the growth rates we needed to get to three million needed to be much higher than what we'd seen in the in the years prior and when you think about your greatest opportunity your greatest opportunity is amongst people with the greatest intent so that conversion point which is your paywall Mm -hmm. you know there is a huge amount of innate value you can extract from that if you get it right Um, and our kind of starting points was around if if you think again think about the customer be customer first Um, what does a paywall look like if you're if you think about the customer and if you think about how paywalls develops, most of them are around start with the content, right? So uh, a metered paywall assumes that someone needs three, five, ten exposures to your content before they subscribe. Freemium, you know, you choose what's free, what's paid. And hard mm-hmm. paywall, I guess, puts a value that all all content is of equal value and should yeah. be paid for. It's clean. It's clean. Um, but if you flip it the other way and start with the customer, then then you realize that, well, you don't have a, a, a homogenous group of, of, of people who are all in the same part mm-hmm. of that customer journey. Right? If you're buying a car, you, you know, you, you're not interested in the, the, the trunk until you know that you can afford the car, right? And similarly with a subscription, it's your first exposure isn't going to get you to pay $40 a month. So if you think about where customers are in that journey, um, then you can create an experience that that meets mm-hmm. that journey, and 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 for us that was the I guess the keys behind that was um, an intelligence layer um, which which became a propensity model. Um, so propensity modeling um, almost was mm-hmm. the 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 driver I guess of determining where you were in that in that purchase right. funnel. So I get scored when I come. Exactly right. Yeah. So we'll you'll come. We'll we'll give you a score, and that score will determine what your experience will be. And what kind of things go into that propensity score? Like what, what what impacts it? Yeah, so broadly speaking, well, there's about 65 variables that are in the model. No, um, so I won't go through them. all of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you'll be pleased to know. Um, but I mean, it's broadly speaking, there's first party and third party data. The first party data is not surprisingly the most powerful. Um, you know, your visitation count obviously plays a plays a big role and um, the device type that you're on you know are you on um, desktop or you're on mobile are you on ios or are you on android they all play a they, they all play a role um, the types of content that you consume um, can can play a role and then when you start thinking about third party um, signals you know where you live Right, so we'll see. We can inf- we infer your location, um, and actually, where you live has a, a huge bearing on whether you're going to subscribe or not. Because then you can infer educational attainment, um, you can infer um, household income, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And actually, areas that, were, that are um, densely populated have a um, you know will we'll score highly. So uh, there's not uh, there's not one signal that because if it was just one signal, then you wouldn't need a propensity model. You no. just use that one <laughs> signal, right? So it is a broad range, and they're not and not all of those signals are going to be relevant for everyone. Which is the uh, I suppose the complex nature of the model is that it, yeah. it is designed to um, be a, a, a individual score people mm-hmm. at an individual level. So why does why does this model work best for the journal versus say a metered model? 
I mean, a lot of people now mm-hmm. are, are new to the, um, to the subscriptions and they're going with some version of a meter because the hard paywall was thought to be too blunt um, and the meter is, you know, it's like the in-between choice. Yeah. Um, well, I suppose the meter still um, assumes that everybody needs the same amount of exposure to that content. So mm-hmm. you're still setting a rule based on the content and not necessarily on the, on the customer. Right. So uh, basically, this is just a lot more flexible and targeted and, and sort of personalized. Yeah, it's more nuanced to the user, right? right? And where but the is user it confusing is. as far as like um, to the user, like I'm not sure what I get, you know, as a non-subscriber and what I don't get um, because the product is different based on who I am and who, who someone else is or what device I'm on. And yeah, I mean, the, the, the it's pro- like a lottery. The, the, the product's the same, um, but the experience That's will change. That's what I mean, the experience will change. Yeah. Um, and listen, we, um, of, of course, when we... When but you're a subscription first, so that's like, it's like, well, this is our business. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, I don't think it would be a surprise to people to run into a paywall at the, at the Wall Street Journal, right? It's, it's right. been around for a while. Um, and actually, the experience, the customer experience, probably doesn't feel any different to what it was, right? Because mm-hmm. when you came to the Wall Street Journal, there was still some content paid and some content, you know, free. Right. Um, and all we're doing now is being, I guess, more selective with with how and where we do that song. Mm-hmm. Do you find, and I know there it depends, there's there's so many signals, but it would seem to me that someone has to hit the 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 wall a certain number of times generally before they're like, okay, here's my credit card. You yeah. got me. Yeah, frequency frequency is a okay. is a is a you know pretty good leading okay, good. indicator. I'm writing this down, Carl. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's your your paywall is a uh, hard paywall, right? No, it's random. Right. I mean, it's it's like we we have I, maybe not random. I don't know if that's a technical term, but um, I've not heard about that like twenty percent. <laughs> about like fifteen percent of the content is is behind the paywall, and it's determined with an algorithm, which is me just determining which which stories is going to be um, behind the paywall. But then there's exclusive content that we have, like research, and it's different from our core content. Yeah. Um, but we're deciding whether to move to just a cleaner, more like a metered model of saying, we're not going to have a propensity engine unless you want to loan it to us. So <laughs> in lieu of that, uh, just moving to a cleaner model of saying, okay, you can get, I don't know where the break point is, four stories, five stories a month. But beyond that, you're going to need um, to pay us. Mm-hmm. Because it, like anyone, we find is you've got a, you've got a, not a small, but like, you know, about like 17, 18% of your, it's the old 80, 20 rule. Like, you know, like 20% of your audience is like not consuming like three or four pages, but like tons. Mm -hmm. Um, and you get a bunch of people who come in through side doors that, you know, uh, consume a few, consume a few stories a month. Yeah, and listen, I mean, the metered model, I suppose, um, is, well, the New York Times have made it work. Um, so, yeah. you know, there's obviously a lot of value in it. Um, but they've been tightening. I mean, it seems like more of the, it seems like more people move towards a, a tighter paywall as they go on. I mean. Yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because you <laughs> look back and it was, I think, yeah, there was. I, used, 10, I used to be, I, five, we all, three. many of us have copied and pasted a Wall Street Journal headlines in the past. Um do you know, it's funny you should say that because actually part of that paywall project was literally um, 
looking at you know where are there um, side door access points that, yeah. that are being used and and you well, know first click free was you know the, yeah. big, the big battle that you guys fought it was yeah and, and that was a big reason why do we, you want to explain that for people who don't know the first yes. click free so so first click free was um, a uh, a Google policy um, that meant that uh, when people um, came through Google to uh, a publisher's website um, the first click um, therefore the first story would be would be effectively free um, and we did some testing around that to see well what what would happen if if it if it wasn't um, and and people and you were more flexible and, and that's kind of our, was our point was that we were building a paywall that was designed to be flexible based on mm-hmm. the user so a one size fits all rule was not going to work for a flexible paywall um, and and you know we we saw some pretty pretty good upside from from that and um, so that's why we why we pulled out a first click free and obviously since then Google have um, launched flexible sampling which is much more I guess in line with um, much more in line with what our paywall is today right which is having the um, the ability to be flexible um, in terms of the experience that you receive right. Um- on, just to stay on that, like, what role do you see the platforms playing in your subscription strategy? <laughs> they, uh, I mean, everyone from like Google to Facebook to to, to Apple News. Yeah, I mean, w- wide ranging. Um, I, I guess my, you know, I I sell um, our, our great journalism every day, right? And I think the first thing is um, to uh, an understanding of how valuable you know journalism is, and, mm-hmm. and I think that you know Google um, and Facebook, right, through their their news initiatives, are, have definitely come round to the idea that um, there is innate value in in in, in journalism, and that journalism um, should be should be paid for, which I think is a great a great start. Um, I think that the, 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 again, there is no blueprint, there is no book that says this is how you should use, you know, the the platforms in your in, mm-hmm. in your subscription business. But you know, we we use them for different reasons. I mean, Facebook's a Facebook's a good platform for um, distributing our, our content to um, to non to non members. It's also a good platform to bring our existing members back to the Wall Street Journal. Um, but what about the middle of the bow tie? The the pay, the actual paywall. Yes, itself. the actual like you know the credit card the payment. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, Google have got the subscribe with Google initiative, which which looks to take you know friction um, out of a, out of the paid experience for people that have a credit card on file with Google. Right. Um, I mean, f- for us, we've done we've we've done a whole a ton of work in that area. I mean, you know, I think one of the one of the things that we've tried to be over the last few years is curious, and actually, often the the answer isn't necessarily in the publishing world yet, and you've got to look outside the publishing world. And mm. we we learned a lot, I think, from e-commerce um, and you know the the frictionless payment within within e-commerce. And when you start getting into the the, the data and and the science you know, of, of, of checkout or, or shop design, you, you, you realize that literally, you know, an extra five seconds, um, right. it, that, you know, that it might take someone to go through a checkout journey is going to decrease your conversion rate by, you know, a significant amount. So we, there was kind of a mix of, um, there was like, I'm looking outside of our world, um, at e-commerce, but also there was kind of a science 
to it as well, which I don't think is necessarily something that is kind of widely talked about. But if you look outside of our world and you think about behavioral economics and you think about nudge theory, all of that is designed to um, help someone um, make a decision easier, right? right? And and nudge, the the nudge theory. I tell our team that we need to like put one of those tiny little like five more left at this price under it yes. see how that goes yeah the scarcity principle you're talking about that <laughs> yeah. right which is you know that they do with 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 uh, airline seats and stuff like that yeah but that, i think that's my point is that you can the answer isn't always in the industry right, right. sometimes you got to look outside outside of the industry for for the answer and you know the, the what's one thing that you saw like outside the industry that informed um, like the checkout process, for instance. Uh, so it was it was what actually um, the, the 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 stimulus came from um, Barack Obama and um, and David Cameron, who had set up nudge units um, in their um, within their administrations. Um, to what does that mean, nudge units? So basically, teams of people who are um, trying to get. Um, make choice easy for people. So mm-hmm. if you're a great example, right, would be um, if you're choosing your 401k, right, if you go into choose on your, your 401k, there'll always be a default. Yeah. Why is there a default? It's because default bias works and you can, you can, de- you can decide on, on what should be the default. And, mm-hmm. and and that can help make choice easier. I think pr- probably one of the one of the biggest things we 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 saw um, was around um, price anchoring and choice architecture, which yes. is kind of t- t- two principles. And and actually, when when we started on this journey, can you explain what those mean? Of course, yeah. Um, choice architecture and, and and price anchoring is effectively saying how, how can you present the consumer with choice. Um, and use um, use parts of that of that of that equation to nudge someone into the right. thing that you want them to take. Um, and when when we started this journey, we literally had one offer. It was twelve dollars mm-hmm. for twelve weeks, and that that was it. So there was no there was no choice to make, and there was no there was no price anchoring. And yeah. the price anchor is it sounds like you're nodding. So yeah, it sounds no, because like you're, we did that well. You, you, you're you're well schooled in this. Uh, well, we had like one offer in front of people, and it was just a year for three ninety nine. And then we finally got like a we put like a three month offer. Um, and then like a two-year offer and just like putting those two everyone's most people still chose the same offer in the middle go figure but i guess that it's that sort of choice architecting and and price anchoring that actually even just adding a three-month layer just caused more people to actually choose the one year Completely, and you, you see it everywhere. Like it's funny when you I read. Hope people are listening to this don't now feel like they're being manipulated. But <laughs> choose the two year. I'm fine with it. Yeah, lo- loyalty's good. <laughs> loyalty's good. Um, but but you see you see it everywhere, right? Like when you start when you yeah. when it's on top of mind, you walk into a supermarket and you realize that that, that they're using it, right? It's a, it's a, it's a common common way. But but it's not necessarily something that was born out of publishing. Obviously, it was something right. born born out of other industries that we've bought into. Yeah into our world. I want to take a quick break here. Since you are a podcast listener, you might want to come check out a live podcast recording we are doing at the Vox Media headquarters in New York City on February 7th. I am going to be interviewing Melissa Bell, the publisher of Vox Media. We'll also have networking and refreshments starting at 5.30 and the podcast recording begins at 6.15 p.m. Please do come. We have a few passes set aside for you, our loyal podcast listeners, um, to claim one of those Please email our producer, Aditi Sangal, 
That is Aditi, A-D-I-T-I, at digiday.com, and we will get you signed up. Hope to see you there. Now back to the episode. How about the um, the other part, the churn part? Because um, mm-hmm. everyone likes to talk about you know bringing in new customers, but then you gotta you're fighting a two front war. I always feel like with subscriptions, you got to bring new people in, but then you got to keep them in. Um, and churn is a reality of of any business, and um, particularly subscription business. And you can get into like a death spiral of churn. <laughs> a death spiral, yeah. It's um, ch- churn is uh, well, the first thing I'd say is that churn's a team sport, right? The, the you, you never you're not gonna you're not gonna solve churn by just right. by by the marketing team doing something, right? It's it's genuinely is a team sport, and and that's kind of how we we approach it. It's you know it's um, efforts from the newsroom, it's efforts from our um, um, product design engineering teams and and us on the on the business side and I suppose that when you when you think about when we think about churn the first question is well what's the churns an output right it's an output of something it's not it's not the input so for the first thing we thought well, you've really got to understand then what the drivers are of churn in the first place so again you know I'm, I'm kind of getting my geek on here with with, with data but mm-hmm. but data was brilliant um, for that because do you score people? Yeah, so you know propensity to flee, <laughs> propensity to flee. That's not what we call it, but we might have a rebrand now. Okay. Um, but but yeah, it was a, taking a similar principle, right? Which was on the if we can predict propensity to buy, can we predict propensity to churn? And uh, and which, which we, you know which we've done to, to good effect. So I think that's probably the first step is to understand well, why does churn happen and and who is more at risk of churn mm-hmm. than the, the, than others. And I suppose that's the that's the datary part. And then and then you start thinking, well, what are the things that influence churn and actually um, you know it's, this isn't rocket science but visitation right like are you yeah. engaged are or you not? using are product? you using the product clearly is going to have yeah. a, a big indicator but is it, on I, I remember talking uh, at one point to um, the New York Times and uh, she was telling me that like it's more uh, the biggest like signal is a change in habit like it's not just like are you using the product less or are you using the product it's are are you lo- using the product at a lower level than when you had used the product? And hundred uh, percent. So yeah. one of the biggest parts of a of a churn model is the um, principle around stable lapsing and growing. So mm-hmm. you know, to to your point, if your if your normal behaviour is this, and now your behaviour's changed, and you've you're lapsing, you know, your engagement is lapsing. That will, mm-hmm. you know, be a leading indicator that you're you're at more risk of churn. So what do you like? What levers then do you pull to mm. try to head off the churn? So um, I'd probably talk about them in kind of two, um, almost in two groups. The, the, the first is the experience you have at the point of um, of, of buying a, a subscription, right? So onboarding. Yeah. Um, and we've done a, a ton of work um, in the onboarding space because it tr- it, it is yeah. Im- important, right? The, the, you're much more likely to start a habit in the first seven days of a subscription than mm-hmm. any other time that you're in your subscription. So yeah. how do you ensure that um, you are encouraging people to, to take take on um, a new habit with with our with our product suite and and I guess that's a mixture of um, it's a mixture of um, insight but also within the execution 
um, we, if I think back to where we were, we used to just send, we had like a, a, a welcome page. So, you know, you go through the checkout, hit buy, and you'd be directed, redirected to like a, a page that says make the most of your subscription, which sounds great in, in, and you know, it did a, it, it did a job. Um, but then we kind of got the, the science scientists within our kind of experimentation team to start thinking more broadly around, well, how can you make onboarding feel more like part of the che- the 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 checkout experience so the checkout experience was a card based checkout experience where mm-hmm. you go through step one two three four um, and and then the, the the onboarding experience said well what if we replicate that so it feels like the onboarding experience is effectively you completing your subscription right and there was something something psychological which is that I feel like I'm still completing something yeah. versus being pinged to a a website that says hello you know now make the most of your subscription and and that has is is caused us so the card based um approach has meant that the um the number of people taking um onboarding actions is mm-hmm. is has gone through the roof yeah. um, and what's interesting is how important that is like it's not like like in fighting churn it it literally starts immediately when someone pays you like you can't like put it off to um to like you know three months in or, or six months in or something like this because i mean we've even found it like on with with email loyalty like the people that will that we can get to take an action like immediately upon like subscribing to email are so much more likely to then end up being like habitual um you know openers yeah. and engagers yeah, you can't underestimate the the power of the first seven days. It's yeah. um, it's really important. So that, that's probably the first the first area. And I suppose just within that, you've got to also know what it is that is going to drive you know um, uh, good behaviour post onboarding as well, right? Because you've got a choice of what you the mm. actions that you might want someone to take. You know, there's a big suite of things which you could say, please start doing this. Um, so again, th- that for us was informed by um, a data model. Again, thinking about like looking outside of our world um, and kind of being curious what, what what's out there. The, the data team actually um, looked at the medical profession and said that um, the the model that the medical profession use to predict survival rates for patients that have undergone some sort of procedure. In a way, you can kind of draw a parallel to, to what we're talking about in the subscription world, right? Which is that when someone takes an action, then what is their predicted survival rate in the future? And that gets you to a place where you start understanding the power of taking an action mm-hmm. and and what that might mean for someone's survival rate in, in 12 months' time. So that kind of gives you almost like a hierarchy of, of, of sticky habits, right, that you that, that you know are going to drive good good retention. I mean, some of the what ones... What are some, like, sticky habits? Well, some are, some are obvious, right? And you already, yeah. I'm sure, you're, you know, like newsletters, of course, are, mm-hmm. you know, because newsletters by their very nature are habitual. Um, obviously, app is something you know. Downloading the app, logging into the, the site. So, I think we, we kind of had those um, kind of m- more, um, I guess, intuitive um, actions. Um, and really, if, if I was to kind of summarise the, the the what else kind of makes up that that um, that list, it would be um, it will be rooted in our journalism. So, you know, having loyalty to a particular author or loyalty to a particular site section. Um, are are two two areas that um, that you um, that you see very very good mm-hmm. retention in you know the twelve months um, post. 
and it's not like one section over another section. It's not like, you know, people who are, you know, really into the, the finance parts of the journal versus the lifestyle parts are more likely to stick. Yeah, I mean, all engagement's good engagement, and but but there is there is variances in the content type. Um, you know, I suppose markets, markets, and businesses are is our is our core, um, mm-hmm. and and of course, yeah, they play a, a, a probably an outsized role in um, someone's retention rate, um, because by their nature, they they are habitual, right? Things change day in day out. You know, people are probably checking it multiple times a day, and. And that kind of, you know, that's reflective of um, of one of the most important things when it comes to churn, which is around is around habit. Right? I think you've probably, heard, I've had lots of you on the podcast talking mm-hmm. about habit, and in a way, you kind of go, well, the, a newspaper was probably one of the the best habits that ever created, right? You know, yeah. like the the habit of walking out your door, picking up your paper with a coffee, and reading it in the morning. That's a habit. That's a really, really strong habit loop. And I think that you know, going back to your question, how how do you solve for churn? I think some of it is around. Well, well, what are the new habit loops in a digital space that that you need to create with people that are going to keep them coming back day after day after day? And that actually becomes a really nice challenge for mm-hmm. for the business, right? Um, you know, we work, as I said, work really, really closely with our technology colleagues. You know, they're they're trying to solve for the same problem, which is how do you how do you um, and promote and generate more habituated um, behavior within within our product suite. Right. And that's where you can draw a lot of, I guess, inspiration or tips from outside of the news business to, to what's, you know, a lot of the, look, Silicon Valley has, has proven to be pretty great social uh, behavior engineers. Um, but even like things like Headspace and how they nudge people along. I don't know if you've checked out the Headspace experience, but you should. Like how they nudge people along to actually engage and use the product and 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 do some kind of meditation in order to get people um you know to be habitual. And it sounds like there's a there's a subtlety to that too, right? Because mm-hmm. as I said that you don't solve for that by having advert like marketing messages. You know, like you know you're not going to solve for it through an ad. Right, it, it, it's there's a subtlety to it where um, where it feels like where, where the product is playing a role in in that habituated behaviour rather than just an outbound message saying you know please download our app. Mm-hmm. You know? So final thing is just on a, on a broader question is a lot of people are getting into the subscriptions business now. I mean, you guys have been rooted in it. Um, you're now seeing a lot of people come into the field. Obviously, not everyone is going to succeed in this. Um, and I think a lot of people, obviously, the content has to be completely differentiated and it has to be like need content. Um, and, and, and some people don't, don't reach that bar with enough people. Um, what do you think are some particular challenges that um, publishers who are new to the subscription business will end up um, facing more often than not? I guess the the first is being really clear on what you're in the business of. Um, I think when you've got a um, when you're trying to solve for um, a reader led revenue model, 
at the same time of advertising you know being as important yeah. then you're of course you're always multiple then, masters yeah you're always then making um you know trade-offs um i think one thing i go back to the the goal right that the, the com- our company goal was three million subscribers now that doesn't mean advertising is not important of course it's an important part of our business but it, it did mean that the business had to kind of refocus right. and say well what does that what does that mean how, how how do you get there and so i think one the first one would probably be yeah Focusing on 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 what your what your business is going to be and 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 what the the, the future is. Um, I, I think the the second area is is kind of um, understanding um, the innate value of what it is that you do, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think sometimes maybe we've been as, as an industry have been almost you know almost um shy that that to think that our our content doesn't have an innate value right journalism has a huge huge value and and so don't be shy uh, you know don't don't be shy to to ask people to pay for it um mm-hmm. it's, it's it's amazing actually the, the 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 google experiment we talked about right the first click free when you know when you, when you when you actually asked we didn't use we didn't ask people to pay <laughs> The yeah. first thing we did was ask ask someone to pay for our journalism when they came in from from Google, and people did, right? So so, so there's I think don't don't be shy to right. um, you know to to, to 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 ask people to to, to pay would probably be the second. I suppose the the third is you know we you've talked a lot on this show about the um, you know the pivot the pivot to paid mm-hmm. and therefore the the choice that exists um, out there. I think that. Um, there is, is the competition has probably never been broader when mm-hmm. it comes to paid subscription offerings um and and therefore w- but you don't think that there can't be like a netflix for like news subscriptions or can there be i mean this has always been like sort of the dream like i mean how many then again if you look in the ott space and like you know everyone complained about their cable bill but now like you're you're, you're just probably paying more you're just paying like several iterations of it to the different services but uh, there's a question about whether or not what's the role of bundling in in this future i i personally i still think there's a huge huge role for for, um you know curation you know that's why why do people go to 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 brands and 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 destinations right obviously Mm -hmm. the brand and the journalism plays a huge huge role but the creation the the curation of that journalism there's there's still something in that you know there's there's a reason i think why the publishing sector hasn't moved completely to a netflix model right we're we're not we're not a a world that's governed 100 percent by an algorithm an algorithm doesn't determine on what you're what you're going to read so if curation continues to remain important for people, then curation on the brand level, uh, on the the, the journalism, yes, yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. Um, as long as that becomes still a, a, a need for people, then that's always going to be a counterweight then to what you're talking mm-hmm. about, which is more of an, I suppose, an mm-hmm. aggregated, yeah. you know, view of, of 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 journalism. But what about that in between? I mean, no one's. I know. I think Tony Hale. I, I don't know all the details of what Tony is doing, but like from talking to him, uh, you know, is trying to solve that in between. You know, that like th- there's a certain group of people that are going to pay um, for a yearly subscription, or maybe it's on a monthly basis um, for for all of it. Um, but that doesn't mean that there's no, you know, value in that, like in between, like that. That's going to a lot of different um, sites, and if there's just some way to have a layer that is um, 
not necessarily just like, okay, I'm all in. Here's here's my credit card for a full year. Um, do you see hope in that? I mean, it's never microtransactions have never worked, um, but I. It seems like there has to be something that exists in between that. So in between a, f- a free experience yes. and a and a fully paid yes. subscription. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that, that isn't just ad supported. Yeah, so it's still you're still getting your credit card out, but you're not you're not you're paying. still getting directly paid. Yeah, but um, or you're still directly paying as a consumer, um, but um, it's not like an all or nothing. I suppose when you you think about it, that you, even the more successful subscription businesses in the world, you know, if you the New York Times is a good example where what ninety six percent of their traffic is probably still non non subscriber, right? Right. So that question of how do you monetize ninety six percent of of traffic that you're not currently monetizing through reader revenue for sure is going to be an opportunity. But I suppose if you ask the question, why is it not happening today, then it's probably being driven by the fact that, well, you don't want to cannibalize. If you give people the choice of buying something cheaper, does yeah. that mean that they won't choose the right. you know, the more expensive product? Yeah, yeah. Um, great but- channel conflict. C- completely, yeah. yeah. And I think that's probably something that's holding back that that idea because um, there's lots of lots of uh, opportunities in that space right around micropayments and, and and I suppose either lower price points or or lower commitments to um, to a relationship but uh, yeah I, I think that for an, for established um, you know subscription businesses they're always going to have that challenge probably of, of cannibalization interesting though if you were starting out Mm-hmm. And you know you were pivoting from from free to uh, a paid subscription model. Um, I suppose you've you've got you haven't got any reader revenue to cannibalize. So you know arguably that would be a, a, a good thing for 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 that model to experiment with because it's there's potential in it for right. sure. Okay, Carl, thank you so much. Thank you, Brian. Thank you all for listening. This show is produced by Aditi Sangal. This is a limited edition series of episodes we are doing that gets into the weeds of building sustainable media businesses. Before I go, uh, here is another shout out. Um, we always like to do these each week. Um, this one goes to Lara J, a consistent podcast listener, um, and she has been sharing on Twitter. She said, I think Paul Ford must be the most sensible person I've ever heard talk about the technology of media. See the Digiday podcast for details. Amen. And also to Scott Messer, an old friend of Digiday. He uh, said, excellent Digiday events podcast with Margaret Lowe of the Atlantic Events. Brand amplifier, personal brand building is important for speakers. Give sponsors dedicated space. Events logistics equal detail curation. Every detail matters. Thank you both Laura and Scott and everyone who is listening. I hope you will uh, leave nice reviews for us on iTunes. That helps our podcast be discovered. Thanks again. I'll be back next week.